0: This week on Champion Church Fort Worth, the podcast. Pastor Samuel is back and he's closing out our How to Survive the End of the World series with the good news, bad news situation. The bad news, hell is real, it's bad, and when you're there you have no chance of salvation. The good news, heaven is just as real, and it is only through Jesus that you can guarantee your entry into the kingdom. Here's Pastor Samuel. Pastor Samuel. Amen. Thank you. For those that stood. For those that didn't, get saved. No, I'm just kidding. That's so funny. My face is almost working 100%. We're about 70% today, so um, if I look weird, I wasn't born that way. Maybe I was. Who knows, right? Hey, I want to thank you all for coming today. We had a great week last week with Pastor Brian from the Fountains Fellowship. I hope you guys enjoyed him and his ministry to us. I believe he had a great word. Thank you, Mary, for being awesome. And uh, I was just so thankful that he came and st- stood in and, and really ministered a word to all of us. So thank you for that. I know sometimes uh, life throws you a curveball. Amen. But uh, you got to just roll with it. And I appreciate your prayers through all of it. And uh, I know that God is faithful. Amen. So I want to thank you all for coming today. I truly believe that you're here not by accident and uh, that God has a word for you this morning. We have been going through our awesome Danger Zone series here, How to Survive the End of the World. And uh, it's so funny, we're up here worshiping, I'm looking at like the caution and biohazard sign, thinking something doesn't work here, you know? But uh, it's so funny how, you know, God has been challenging us as a church to grow. And uh, we really believe that healthy people grow, and healthy people change. And God has been encouraging us, and, and myself specifically, to grow in areas that that I might have been deficient in or maybe I didn't know about very well. And God has been challenging me to learn more. And this is what I've done for you today and and for the last four weeks. We've been growing in the things of of God. And and I'll tell you, it's great to know what's going to happen. Amen. It's great to know that God has a plan and that his plans are way better than my plans and that he can run my life way better than I can. Someone say amen to that. Do you believe that? So how to survive the end of the world. You know, the first couple weeks, I explained what the end times would be like. And uh, for those of you that don't know, we have a podcast. You're welcome to listen to that podcast and catch up if you've missed a few weeks. Because I think it's vital that you understand these basic principles because it's going to help your neighbor. It's going to help your family member. It's going to help the people that God has put in your life. For you to give them understanding and wisdom to make good decisions. And what we have found is there are two types of people in this world. There are people that are led and motivated by fear. And there are people that are led and motivated by faith. Yes. Two different types of people. Yes. And, and what we believe is that in Jesus we have faith that he will work it out. Yes. That he will be faithful. What my prayer for you today is that our faith would rise as our fear decreases. Amen? Because every day we battle with this. We wake up in the morning. We're like, God, what, what if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What, if, what happens if my job doesn't work out? Or All of these things. And what my prayer for us is that your faith would continue to rise today, that God is in control. Yes. Can we do this today as a family? Yes. Amen. Let's pray and we'll get started. Dear Lord, we honor you today. We bless you, God. It is, it is more about you and less about us, Father. I pray today that you would speak truth into us, God. Lord, and however it comes out, God, that we would receive it, Lord, and it would, it, would, it would impact our lives to produce results. We want to be people that produce good fruit and do great things in this world around us. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen and amen. So the first week, we talked about how, what, will, what will the end be like. We discussed uh, the temperature kind of, of, of the world around us, and we realized that, yes, we're living in a time that, that Jesus talked about numerous times in the Bible. The week after that, we talked about when you die, what happens. We talked about who's going to go to the, the judgment seat of Christ and who's going to go to the white throne judgment. One will be for Christians, and when they die, Christians will go and, and not be judged on their works, but they will be judged by their motives, they will be judged by the things that they did on earth for him and for the for the kingdom of God and for people that are lost and and then those people that aren't saved and have not received Jesus Christ into their hearts those people will go to the great white judgment throne and they will be they will be um, basically uh, they're judged for their works and and it, it's a very scary place to be and I told you all about that and gave you the information that you need to be successful and to know where you're going when you die. Well, today we're going to talk about two different things. We're going to talk about heaven, and we're going to talk about hell, all right? Because I think it's important for you to understand what hell is like, and I think it's important for you to understand what he- heaven is like. And uh, more than all of that, I'm so thankful that we have answers to life, and we can be successful in that. I want to start today with a quick story. The, the title of my sermon is Good News, Bad News. news. How many of you guys know there, there are good news, there's good news, and there is bad news? Like when you wake up and your face doesn't work. That's bad news. My, I stopped tasting food like three days before that, and everything tasted weird. It's like I was chewing on rubber. It was awesome. And then I woke up, and my whole side of my face didn't work. And that was a problem. It was a real problem. Good news and bad news. You know, my wife and I, the doctor told us before we had children that we couldn't have children, They were going to have to shut her system down and do a bunch of work on her to try to get everything to to work again for us to have children. And a guy that we love, a pastor friend of ours, came and prophesied over us and told us, Hey, I see your family, and I see from the Lord that you're going to have a son. And, you know, of course, that's, you know, I've always wanted a son to carry the McKern name. You know, my brother has two daughters, and he's done. (laughs) And so I was like, Lord, I really want a son, and God knew that, and he told us that you would have a son. And I see your kids. And, and, and in that moment, we were so thankful because we, at, at one point, we were hopeless. Like, Lord, we might never have children. We might never be able to experience the gift of life in that way. And, and so when he told us that, it just brought hope into us. And uh, so we went and had, we ended up getting pregnant. And praise God, we had Olivia Grace, our daughter. And it was so awesome. And we were so celebrating. And in, in the back of my head, I said, God, you're going to give me a son. I know it. I remember telling my boss at work, who at the time wasn't saved, and he's like, well, good luck, you know, I'm like, yeah, you'll see, one day, and uh, so we ended up in between Olivia Grace, it, right after we had Olivia Grace, a couple years after that, my wife got pregnant, and we had a miscarriage, and uh, I was like, man, Lord, what are you doing, you know, I, we're, I hope that wasn't my son that you promised me, right, you know, who knows, I was just like, Lord, you know, and so we ended up getting pregnant a year after that, and we go to the doctor, and it's that moment where you're sitting there, and they're, They're checking, you know, they've got the stuff on her belly, and they're going to kind of tell us what we're having, a boy or a girl, you know. And so in that moment, I'm pumped. I'm like, you know, I don't care what it is. I want, like, a whole litter, you know what I mean, of kids. Like, I want as many as I can get, you know. I want them climbing all over me, all over the house, things like that. Adrian's looking at me like, crazy. And so, yeah. And so the doctor, you know, they get up there on the sonogram, and she types in, hello, mom and dad, you know, I am a... Right. And so she types in, I am a girl. Right. And I'm like, yes, that means I get to have more children. Right. And I'm happy and I feel like hugging the nurse. And and I look over and my wife is crying and it wasn't a happy cry. It was like, I hate life cry. Like, why would this be happening? I only wanted to, you know, whatever she was thinking. And I remember the, the nurse looked at me, happy, hugging, and looked at her like, what is wrong with you guys, you know? This is the most messed up family I've ever seen. And I proceeded to tell her, well, she just she kind of wanted this to be a boy. She's like, oh, okay, you know. And, but for me, it was so interesting because in that moment, it was good news to me, but it was bad news to my wife, even though, obviously, you guys know, we, we had little Finley, and where would we be without her, Amen. And then God gave us a son in Jet. And, uh, man, he, his, his words rang true in our hearts as he was faithful to us. And I was so thankful. thankful. But I want to tell you, in a lot of moments in our lives, there are good, there's good news and there's bad news. And, and however you take that is however you take that based on your perspective. But when we die, when we pass from this life to the next, there will either be real good news or it will be very bad news. And what I want to talk to you today is about the difference between hell and heaven. And we're going to look at the Word of God today and allow the Lord to instruct us on what He believes hell is all about and, and what He knows that heaven is all about. And, and, and I love that, that God clearly states it in the Word of God. And you know, it's interesting about hell because I don't preach on hell a whole lot. If you've been in this church the past couple of years, man, I love like butterflies and rainbows and waterfalls and Hawaii and the beach and surfing and all of these great things. But a lot of times I don't get into hell. You know, I don't get into and dive into that. Well, this series is all about setting you up for success for the future. So today is going to be a little harsh, possibly. I'm going to give it to you as gently as possible. But the Word of God is the truth. And so, so while I can try to make it the medicine go down easy, um, it is what it is. And uh, so I'm going to give you the bad news first. Is that cool? Yes. <laughs> oh, I can't even smile. Uh, I'm going to give you the, the bad news first. If I have a crooked smile, it's just that's the way it is, guys. All right. I love you. So let's get into the word of God. We, um, the, the, thank you. Thank you, Tom. I love you. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 16. I want you to turn in the Bible, in your Bibles, New Testament, Gospel of Luke. He's a doctor. I love the way he explains things in the Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 16. But if there's something that I would love to erase in the Word of God, it's the issue of hell. I don't like talking about hell. I don't like talking about what it means to to die and have eternal damnation in hell. I don't like to even discuss that. And if there was something in the Bible that I could just take out, that would be it. However, the problem with that is Jesus spoke many, many times about the issue of hell. In fact, the reason why God sent his son Jesus into the earth was to deal with the issue of hell. And even in the New Testament, the Bible talks about over 22 times Jesus in the the first four gospels, over 22 times Jesus talks about the issue of hell. So while I could sit up here and not talk to you about it, Jesus understood that it was important for us to discuss and know about so that we could make decisions today that will affect our eternity. Amen? So we're going to get busy going through that. Now, this is not like this politically correct, warm and easy sermon. It's not like, you know, Christian radio station that is encouraging and uplifting and good for the whole family. Interesting. Interesting. It's not that. Hell is a real place, and the scripture compels that hell be taught to you and I so that we understand. There is a place in Jerusalem. It flows at the, at the outskirts of Jerusalem from the west to the south area, and it is it is a place that is called Guyana. And in this place, this is a place that is cursed. This is a place that horrible things happen. In fact, People of the day that that did not follow Jesus, they would go outside of the gate to this place where um, they would sacrifice their own children to their gods. So they would do things completely against God. They would go out and sacrifice things. And, and, And the Bible says that when people would die, they would throw them in this area that was full of fire. It was always lit on fire. It was a dangerous place. It was a place that you really did not go. In fact, the, the, it says, it says that, that that the dogs and the wild animals and the dingoes would go and and, and and eat all of the dead, rotting carcasses in this area. now this was a, this was a a horrible place to be, right. And, and, and we, there are pictures online, and I looked on yesterday, I was going to show you some, but it really just kind of showed some land, and then there were a lot of hardcore death metal bands uh, by this name as well. So I thought, yeah, it's probably not a good place, right? Um, and so Jesus, though, understood this place in that day, and he likened Hades to this place. And I, and I wanted to share that with you because Jesus is talking to a group of wealthy people, He's talking to a group of of religious people that in that day thought it was all about how great they were and how much money they had and um, and how affluent they were. And they felt like that everybody else was beneath them. And Jesus said, listen, I'm going to tell you something that you need to hear about Hades, about Guyana, about this place, because this is what it will be like for those that will go to hell. And, and, and so we see here in the book of Luke, he begins to tell these guys a story that you and I I want, I want us to hear today because it is about this place. Now, we're, gonna, we're in chapter 16, and he talks about the rich man, right? And the rich man doesn't have a name. He just says the rich man. And then he talks about Lazarus, all right? And so I want to read to you this scripture here, and then we're going to talk briefly about this, because I think it's going to give us a better picture of what hell is like. Luke 16, verse 19 is where we will be in the word of God. Uh, It will be on the screen behind me as well, because I love you deeply. Verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. You guys know people like that? At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Right? So we see Lazarus. Somebody comes every day and lays Lazarus at the door of the rich man's house. And every day the rich man walks in and out and forgets about Lazarus. And it says here all that Lazarus wanted was, was to eat something, to have some nourishment, to have anything in this world that would bring him some sort of happiness. And it said even so, the dogs would come and lick his sores. So obviously he was dealing with a very difficult situation. It says in verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. It says, in Hades, he was buried where he was in torment. And he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So I want to I set this up for you. We have two people. We have an unnamed rich man that, that God did not even give a name to. And then we have Lazarus, the poor beggar who was just looking for something to eat. Both of them die. And I want, I want to tell you something. When, when the rich man dies, he was buried and ends up in Hades, Guyana, just like Jesus was trying to re- relate to them. A place of fire, a place of, of torment, a place that, that was a horrible place to be. And yet while, while, the, while the, the rich man was there, we see that the beggar dies, Lazarus. And I love it because it says that the angels actually carries. They actually, he act, they actually carried Lazarus Lazarus to um, Abraham's side in heaven, in paradise. And it says here, so he called to him, Lazarus looked over, excuse me, the rich man looks over and sees Lazarus. And he says, so he called to him, Father Abraham, he says, because Abraham is there now with Lazarus. He says, have pity on me and send Lazarus, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. So we see here this wealthy rich man that is given no name sees Lazarus. The guy he has seen every day while he was living on earth. He is now sitting in Hades and he sees across this great gulf how that, how that Lazarus is being comforted by Abraham. So he tells Abraham, hey, Abraham, why don't you send Lazarus over here to give me what I need, to give me, to, to to get some water and just touch my tongue so that I can have some relief. Because I am in agony, he says. But listen to this, verse 25, but Abraham replied, son, I, lo- I love this. I love what he says, son, because in the Greek, that means technine, which actually means, uh, it's a term of endearment. It means son, like me talking to Jet, like, Son, I love you. See, even, even, in, even in, in hell and Hades there, he could see somebody in heaven, and, and even Abraham has pity on this guy and says to him, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now, listen to how this is completely opposite, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, Between us, between you and I, is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And listen what he says. The rich man answered, he says, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will will not also come to this place of torment. So again, Lazarus is saying, listen, if you can't help me with this issue that I'm having right now and I'm I'm, I'm on fire and there's no relief, please send Lazarus back to earth and go tell all my brothers to not come to this place. Listen to what Abraham replied. He says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And the rich man says, no, Father Abraham, he says, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. So it's almost like he's sitting there having an argument with Abraham saying, no, please do something. They'll repent. They'll change their hearts. They'll change their mind. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. I want, to, I want to share something with you today, and I want to make a statement today that I think is going to help you understand something about this life that we live right here and now. What you do before you die determines where you go when you die. The heart that you have for Christ now, or the heart that you have for yourself now, is the same heart and the same attitude you're going to have in heaven or hell. You see a picture of Lazarus, who had nothing on earth. He goes there. Obviously, he had a relationship with Jesus. Obviously, he had something that that he, he asked God into his heart, Jesus into his life. And he ended up in heaven, and he was comforted. He was loved. He was encouraged. He was held tightly to. He was in a place where he had never had that experience. And we see the rich man. He was selfish on earth. He had a bad attitude. It was all about him. Even so, after he had been served his whole life selfishly, never giving to Lazarus, never doing anything real based on what Jesus is telling us here, he goes to hell, to Hades, and he's continually selfish. He's continually thinking about his own needs. He's continually thinking about his brothers saying, hey, someone help my brothers. And Abraham makes a very clear statement to him, listen, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets on earth, it doesn't matter if, if somebody rises from the dead, they're not going to get it. You know, when I was a kid, I heard tons of stories about life altering things that happen. People have almost died. People have died and come back to life. And there have been uh, all kinds of people in accidents and God saved their lives and all of these things. And I, I, for, for a lot of people, I think, why didn't they return to God during these difficult things? A lot of people don't turn to God because what's going on in their heart is not healthy. It's not good. And even though they might have faced death, a lot of times those people still never give their life to Christ because they've got that living inside of them. They've got all kinds of, of difficult things. That I, today, I want to talk to you briefly about um, a few things that I believe hell is and um, and I want us to understand that difference between heaven and hell today. The first thing is, in hell, there is no relief. There's no relief. And we see here in the Bible, he, when, when, when the rich man called out, he said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. One time, I was mowing the grass, and I got done mowing the grass, and I bent over, bent over to pull some grass out of the side, and when I did, I put my hand right on the carburetor, and all of a sudden, it seared my hand, and half of my hand was left on the machine when I pulled it up, and I remember looking at my hand and the fire that, that, that had happened that day, and Nicole, you remember this, right, because I was screaming like a schoolgirl, and, um, and so I grabbed my hand and looked at it, and it is just disgusting, right? And I remember I had never felt so much pain for so long in my life. And it, I mean, it probably took 24 hours for it to finally kind of subside. But I thought to myself, when the Bible talks about this issue of no relief, in hell, there is no relief. It is a co- perpetual, continual fire that is never quenched, that, that never goes out. And this is, what, this is what the rich man was going through right, right then and there. You know, people don't like to talk about hell. There's even professors, they say that 60% of professors in Bible colleges do not talk about hell anymore because it's not a a comforting uh, subject. It's crazy to me. People say that hell doesn't exist. Why did Jesus continually talk about it? Why did he have to die on the cross? Because he knows what hell's like. And he was trying to get you and I and these people there in that moment to understand what hell is. It's a place of no relief. And number two, hell is a place of no escape. You cannot get out of hell once you arrive there. The Bible talks about this great chasm that's there. Abraham tells him, listen, between you and I is a great chasm that has been set in place. So those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor we cannot cross from there to you. There's nothing we can do once you die and you end up in Hades. When you end up in this horrible place, all hope is gone for this rich man. That's what hell is. Listen, Jason Bourne is not going to come bust you out of hell. (laughs) MacGyver is not there, Dane." No action figure, right? No superhero is going to save you from a place called hell. It, it doesn't happen that way. Someone said, there, there's a quote here, above the door of hell there is a sign that reads, all who enter here abandon all hope. In hell there's no hope, friends. I'm trying to get you a picture of, of what we're dealing with in the lives of the people around you. That need not go to hell. And the great thing is the answer, is, the answer lies inside of you. Yeah. Listen to this. Warren Wearsby says, I was looking at this. He goes, Hades and hell are not hospitals for the sick. They are prisons for the condemned. I want to encourage you, friends. We have one life to live. The decisions you make today affect your eternity. There's no escape in hell. there's no relief. And number three, there is no good in hell. He says here, but Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received all your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here here, and you are in agony. Listen, I want you to think about a world which is in complete lawlessness. I want you to think about a world where there's no police officers, where there's nobody there to help you. I want you to think about a world when people can do whatever they want to whomever they want. Listen, right now, we live in a world where God is. We live in a world where Jesus resides in our lives, and we make the world a better place. What happens when Christians are gone? What happens when there is nobody there to help anybody else, and people can do whatever they want to do, and, and, and there, there is evil, there are all kinds of things? Listen, hell is a place where God is not And when God leaves, there's no hope. There's no love. There's no peace. There's nothing that happens right when God is absent of that. I want to remind you right then and there that Jesus suffered that hell on earth so that you you and I would not have to suffer that. You know, the Bible talks about Scientists believe that, or, or, you know, science tells us that the sun is 93 million miles from our planet. It's the perfect distance from earth to sustain life. The perfect distance. It takes light and heat from the sun eight minutes to get to the earth. Eight minutes. Without the sun, no heat, we would have no heat and we would all die and the earth would turn into Neptune or Pluto and completely freeze. Scientists tell us that if the sun would die out, we would still live for eight minutes on residual light and heat, but in one second after that, we would freeze like an iceberg. If the sun burned out three minutes ago, we think we are good, but in five minutes, we turn into Antarctica. I tell you all that because if God leaves this place, all good leaves with him. God is in control, but when he is gone... It's done. There's no relief. There's no hope. And there's no good in hell. And number four, in hell, there's no hope for salvation. You know, it's interesting about the rich man in hell. As he's talking to Abraham, he's trying to get him to do whatever he wants him to do. He's acting out of selfishness. He's acting out of arrogance. He's saying, hey, send the beggar that sat by my door. Won't you send him over to help me? He's in an argument with Abraham. And Abraham's trying to be kind and speak truth to him. And help him understand that he's never getting out of that place. And you know it's crazy to me that through all of that. Through all of this conversation. That, Lazar, or, or that the, the rich man never asks for forgiveness. He never says I was wrong." He never says, I, I, I made a bad decision, help me, get me out. of he, he never comes to God or to anybody, even Abraham, and asks to, for his life to be changed. See, the same heart of people that are lost will have that same heart when they die and go to hell. And this is why it's so important that you and I speak truth to people. That you and I understand the issues of hell and understand that when we're done with the 80 years or the how many ever years that God gives us on this earth, when we're done, it's over, friends. There's no turning back from that. There's no do-overs. There's nobody there that can help you in that situation because God is gone from that place. Now, let me say something to you. People would say, why would God send people to hell? Why would a good God? who loves us, send people to hell. Can I, can I make a statement to you that you need to hear and you need to believe? God did not make hell for you and I. God did not make hell for your cousins, for your friends, for your co-workers. God made hell for Satan and all of his minions. Yes. And unfortunately, the devil has had his way in people's lives. And it has caused people to turn their hearts away from God and the goodness of God. And turn their hearts to wickedness and evil and sin. God, God never intends that for you and I. Never intended that for people that he loves. Why in the world has he encouraged us as champions to go champion the cause of Christ for people? Because he knows that without him, without the payment that he paid for on the, on the cross, without what he did, they're, they're destined for a place that was never intended for them. Friends, I want to tell you, don't look at God like he did this. God provided a way for you and I. And that's the good news, friends. The good news is the the place that God has allowed us to go to. But let me say this. What you do before you die determines where you go when you die. And we have a choice in that, friends. Let's, Let's talk about the good news. Let's talk about what Christ says heaven is like. First thing is, heaven is filled with awesomeness. I love awesome things. I love, I love the goodness of God. I love that he created a place that you and I will, will be together in. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Revelation, John tells us in the book of Revelation. Let's read about, about what heaven looks like. It says here in verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. I love that. In heaven, we're not going to have any electric bills in the summer in Texas. For God is light, the Bible says in heaven. Verse 24, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. And on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. There will be no issues, guys. There will be no, no, no darkness, no, no issue with that. It's so different from hell. It's so different from Hades, where there's no hope and no relief, where there's no God and, and, and no life and, 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 and no ability to get out of it. But we see here that this is what heaven is. Its gates will never be shut. You'll never need to lock the door at night. You'll never worry about your kids being abducted at the park, right? You'll never worry about coyotes that hang out in your backyard, ready to devour your children and your pigeons. There will be no half of your face not working. You won't need a CHL, friends. Leave your guns at home, right? No ISIS, no Al-Qaeda, nothing that wants to harm you. That seems like a pretty cool place to me, friends. Can we discuss that? I mean, verse 26, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is what heaven is about. It's filled with great things. Also, heaven will be a renewed creation, right? It will be renewed. The Bible says in verse 20, or chapter 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and for the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, the Bible tells us. And, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Come on, that's, that's a beautiful moment. Christ is coming back for the church, friends. He's coming back for you and I. We are the church. And, and he's coming back for his beautiful bride, ready, ready for that wedding night. It says heaven will have a perfect, eternal fellowship with Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. So heaven, we will have a renewed creation. We will also have perfect, eternal fellowship with Jesus. It says here in Revelation 22, And I heard a loud voice from, the heavens, from, from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. I love it. We will be with Jesus. We will be with God in those moments, friends. And all of this, all of this life will be worth it. We will look back. You know, this week, we, my wife and I, we went, we went to a conference with Adrian and Alicia in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, this Orange Conference, we're starting a new series next week called Orange. I want you to be here. It's going to be so great. You're going to learn so many great things about what we're doing as a church and in our community. It's going to be awesome. But I sat in this session, and this guy was talking about... Um, Making decisions out of fear, and how a lot of people, he even in his ministry, was making decisions because he didn't want to fail. And he talked about the fear of failure. And he said, the whole time, I just didn't want to fail. I don't want to tell people something and not be able to deliver And God was saying, listen, I don't want you to worry about failure. I want you to worry about your faith in me and let me do it and let me do all the great things. Because he says, listen, he realized something that if you're, if you're worried about, there's something worse in this life than failure. And it's called regret. Regret stings worse than anything in your life. When you look back over your 80 years or 70 years or 40 years, whatever that may be, regret is a very horrible thing. This is what happens to people that end up in hell. People that end up because they regret. They should have made that decision. They shouldn't have walked away from Christ. They should have given their heart to Jesus because this is what he gives us in heaven. He gives us a hope. He gives us a joy that we could never have. In heaven, there's no more cancer. There's no more strokes. There's no more dialysis. There's no more diabetes. There's no more wheelchairs. We see that there, there there are no more issues. You know, um, there's no guilt. There's no barriers there. there. There, you know, we'll never get tired of it. We'll never be worn out from the goodness of God. But we will be there, and we will be conscious, and we will know what has happened, and we will be there with with God and each other, and it will be a beautiful place. This is what Jesus. Uh, affords us when we meet him and we invite him into our lives friends it says here in revelation 22 and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death no sorrow and no crying i love that there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away listen can i make this statement to you god today wants you in heaven and not in hell there are a lot of people that run around this world today feeling like God wants you in hell. That God is waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can, he can condemn you to hell. There are people that actually believe that God is a hateful God. That Jesus is not a loving father. In fact, that he holds this, 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 this uh, stick over us ready to whip us at every moment. That is completely opposed to who Jesus really is. His heart is for all people. And even in the Bible in Ezekiel in, in Ezekiel in the Old Testament, it says here, I'll say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. And he says here, why will you die, people of Israel? See, Jesus really has a heart for people, for you and I, for all of your family members, friends, neighbors, people you don't even know. And even in the New Testament, in 2 Peter, he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I want to say to you that because some people are like, man, I wish God would come back right now wish Jesus would just come and get us out of this place. But if that happens, friends, everybody that, that has not received Christ will end up in hell. I want to tell you, the time is short. You and I have a lot to do in this world to bring people to the salvation understanding of Jesus so that your friends, your family members, people that you love, and even people that you don't like, They need to meet Jesus. And how are they going to meet Jesus? You and I, friends, are the hands and feet of Jesus. We might be the Jesus, the only Jesus that they ever see in their lifetime. That's what you and I have the ability to do is bring people from death to life in Jesus. People don't fight against the Savior. People, excuse me. Please don't fight against the Savior who paid the price for you to spend eternity in heaven. God wants you in heaven and not in hell as Dane comes. I want to tell you a quick story in closing here because hell is a real place and heaven is a real place. I decided to do this series for you and I because you got to understand the magnitude of what's happening in the world around us. People are making decisions every day where they're headed by their decisions, by their heart. They're being led by whatever is going on in their hearts, and for a lot of people it's heading for destruction. We tell you as a church all the time, your job when you leave this place for the rest for the many hours and the many days that you have between Sunday to next Sunday, that your job is to invest and invite people to the kingdom of God. That means you invest in people and you invite them to church. That's what that means. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that Jesus is the head of the church. And in the church, he comes and acts and speaks and has his way and speaks life into people's lives as he's done for us today. But they will never have that chance if you don't invest and invite them. You must understand today that you are the spokesperson for Jesus. You have to fill this church up with people that are far from God, but it takes an army. It takes a church full of people that understand their role in this life. Why do I tell you about hell? I don't like talking about hell all the time. I tell you that because that's the truth. And if they don't have it, and and they're lost, even if they don't believe in it, it doesn't mean they're not going to go there. It means that they're blind and they're lost. And when they die, they will see the fruit of everything that they have done in this world. And I just want to encourage you, we got to get busy making it our mandate in life. We have to understand that God put us in that job for that person to receive Christ. It's not so, you can't wait around for somebody to do it. You are the somebody. For the next four weeks, we're not going to be talking about hell. We're going to be talking about the goodness of God. We're going to be talking about all these great things, but today is your day, church. Because I would would question this today for you. Because if today, on a scale of 1 to 10, if I I said to you, if you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? If you're not saying that's a 10 right now, if you're not saying, hey man, I know I'm going to heaven. If that's a 9, you're in trouble. Because today, I'm going to give you and I an opportunity to say, God, come into my life today. I want to start this journey with you. I want to to be with you in heaven because I've seen the picture of hell and I don't want to go there. And I, as your pastor, always will give you an opportunity to come know Jesus today. I want to tell you a quick story in closing. This is a true story, by the way. Look it up. There's a guy named Leo Winters. He's a world-renowned, highly-skilled heart surgeon. One of the best in the world. Two or three in the morning, he gets a call from the nurse at the hospital and says, listen, there's a little girl. She's been in a car accident. Her body is mangled and her heart is, is, is wanting to stop and give out. And Dr., Dr. Winters said, listen, is there anybody else that can do surgery on her? And she said, no, we, we've called you because you're the only one skilled enough to be able to deal with this little girl. And he said, okay, I'll get there as soon as I can. Dr. Winters jumps in his car that night in the middle of the night, and he decides to go through a rough part of town because it's the fastest way to get to the hospital. He pulls up to a light. All of a sudden, a man comes up to the car. He's got a dirty flannel shirt on and a gray hat. And he opens his door and throws the doctor out of the car. And that guy jumps into the car and, and starts to try to get off, get away. And the doctor's like, no, please, I got to get to the hospital. And he tries to explain to this, this guy that's, that's basically taking his car and kicking him out that, that I need to be at the hospital. He ends up speeding off down the road. The doctor's left in a rough part of the neighborhood in the middle of the night trying to get to the hospital. He ends up arriving to the hospital after finding a cab, a taxi, to get to the hospital. He gets there an hour after this event happens. He walks into the hospital as fast as he could get there. And the nurse said, Listen, the the little girl, she died about 30 minutes ago. And the doctor said, I'm so sorry. I did everything I could. Tells her the story. And the doctor says, Is is her family here? Is there anybody I can talk to? And she said, her dad's here, and he's, he's in the chapel right now, and he needs somebody to encourage him. The doctor opens the door and sees the dad sitting there on the back row just sobbing. And the dad's sitting there with a, with a flannel shirt and a gray hat sitting on the pew right next to him. And the, the dad looks up at him and is like, where were you, doctor? If you had just been here, you could have helped my, my daughter, and now She's dead. And in that moment, the doctor looked at that man and realized that was the man that stole his car. That was the man, and, and had he not done that, the doctor would have been able to save that little girl. You know, the dad wanted his daughter to live so much so that he pushed away the only one that could help her. He pushed away the only thing in life that could help save his daughter's life. I want to encourage you today, friends. Don't push away the only person in this world that can bring you eternal life. I want to pray for us. I want you to bow your heads. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation this morning. I believe this is an opportunity for you and I to allow our security To allow our hope and our life Our happiness All the things that God wants for us as believers I I believe today is your day To start that journey with him We're going to say a prayer of salvation Together collectively God's going to Come and begin to speak to you And do great things in your life And encourage you But today is your day to receive salvation in him I want you to pray after me and Say dear Jesus I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask that you would come in and fill my life with yourself. Give me wisdom, Father. Give me grace and mercy today. I will walk with you all the days of my life. I confess that I have been wrong. And I need you today. Come fill my life with your love and your compassion so that I can do great things in this world around me. I thank you today. If you prayed that prayer today, I want your eyes to be closed, your head to be bowed. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to quickly just slip up your hand and let me see. We, we've got a connect card where we're going to give to you and I want you to fill it out at the bottom. It says today I receive Christ as my personal Savior. I received Jesus into my life. I want you to fill that out and drop that at the back before you leave today. We've got a Bible for you. We've got a, some things that we want to help grow you in today. If you're here and you prayed that prayer and you said God I did this for you I just want you to slip up your hand really quick. Let me see your hands today. The Bible says if if you will confess and you will make known in public that, 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 that I am your Lord, that I will, I will, before my heavenly Father, present you. Thank you. I want to pray for you, those of you that today have been maybe a little misguided in your thoughts about eternity. And maybe you've not realized how urgent it is that you tell people about the good news of Jesus. I want to pray for those of you today that have been just living your life, working your job, so focused on other things and maybe some of your issues in life. I realize that when I stop focusing on my issues and, and start focusing on Jesus, that my issues get really small as Jesus gets really big. What I want to tell you today that whatever's going on in your life today, Jesus knows and Jesus wants you to give it over to him. And say, God, I will put down my issues. I will put down all of those things. And I will pick up your goodness. I will pick up your desire for people. And I will begin to do more than ever before investing and inviting people. If you're here and you would like that to be the, the, your heart today as you leave Champion Church. I want to pray for you. Dear Lord, I lift up your people today that have said, God, we want to do more for you, God. We want to make a difference in the lives of your people. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom, Lord, that you'd, you would fill their mouths with the right words to say, God. You'd fill their lives with such compassion and, and, and such um, wisdom and knowledge that when they go and speak about church and what you're doing in their lives, that, 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 that the people out there would, would say, I want what, what, we, what you have, God, and, Lord, I pray that you would use your champions today to go out and make an amazing difference in everybody that they meet, God, that they would bring hope to the hopeless, Lord, that they would feed the hungry, that they would clothe the people, Lord, like Lazarus sitting there at their doorstep, at the rich man's doorstep, Lord, I pray that we would see your people like you them and we would we would do great things for people we would be generous like never before we would bring love and hope to people god we know lord where we're going god and i pray that we would be that bridge, Lord, that we would be that bridge for people that are far from you, that they would come and know you in a real way, God. I thank you for teaching us, for training us, and giving us all wisdom, Lord. I appreciate you, God, and I pray for your people. They would be empowered to do great things in you this day, Lord. I just thank you for this. We honor you today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, that's it for this week next week we'll start our orange series so if you want to know exactly what that means make sure to tune in next week have a blessed one